Thank you for tuning in to the 178th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you are listening to me via. Going to have a great show for you today. Going to have Cody Felger on, host of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Me and Cody had a great conversation, great interview. We had on a lot of stuff. We kind of talked about Andrew Luck, how kind of the situation went a little bit downhill there. Also talked about Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, what's going on with the Colts right now. Josh McDaniel spurning the Colts. We also got into the Peyton Manning-Tom Brady rivalry, which I think is the greatest rivalry of the 2000s, LeBron versus Kobe aside, I think when you mention Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, there's not too many rivalries in American team sports that get a whole lot better than that. So we get Cody's opinion on all of that, uh, and I really appreciate him coming on the podcast. Uh, it was my bir- birthday today, I turned 22. Out of my last three birthdays, this was my most uneventful, which is really surprising because I feel like most people think that you're a 21st is supposed to be your most eventful, but I guess I was odd because my 20th birthday was my most eventful <laughs> in more ways than one, and my 21st birthday was just kind of eventful and just eventful in a weird way, nothing too crazy, and my 22nd birthday was as mellow and as chill and as lax-free as it gets, so... Found that interesting. But it was also really interesting. So I was at a bonfire. And usually the joke I always use is because my mom's birthday is on July 11th. So I sometimes tell her jokingly. So I was your birthday present. Because, right, what mother doesn't want to have her son the day after her birthday, right? That's what any mother would want. Like, that's kind of cool. But then I was telling this to this girl, and we were at a bonfire. I was at a bonfire a couple days ago. And she was like, no. I told her, and she's like, no. And what she told me was, your mom was on labor, was in labor, getting ready to go into labor on her birthday. That freaking sucks. You're a jerk. <laughs> That's what she said to me. So I said, I never thought of it like that. I never thought about it like that. So there's the side of that you get your firstborn baby boy on your birthday and the fact that on your birthday, you're in labor or you're going to be in labor. And I could see how that wouldn't be the most fun thing for a woman to go through either. So I just kind of learned that other uh, feminine perspective. And also, I do want to get into this really quickly before we get to the interview with Cody Felker. So Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, ESPN, uh, NBA insider, very credentialed. Everybody knows who Adrian Wojnarowski is. He's like the Adam Schefter of football. He was suspended for telling, and the the senator's name is forgetting my uh, escaping my mind at the moment, but uh, a senator for the state of Missouri, who I believe I've heard is anti-Black Lives Matter. He also said some things about what's going on with Hong Kong and China, and kind of criticized the NBA, LeBron, Adam Silver for how they always talk about Black Lives Matter and all the social injustice in the United States, but they don't talk about what's going on with China because there's the whole money flow. And 
you've heard a lot of NBA and Woj got suspended. Let me get to this. Woj got suspended for telling that tender in a company email, F you. So (laughs) Woj got sent home and then Twitter bursted. Woj was trending and what was trending was hashtag free Woj. And then we saw a lot of players. I, I saw Lou Williams say it. I also saw LeBron say it. And I was just looking at that a couple hours ago. And I scrolled down the comments. And there were, and I was shocked. I was shocked. Because you would think on LeBron's page, you would see, because there was a lot of people when this thing happened, they were on the free Wojanowski side like, screw the senator, right? Screw the senator, what he thinks. So I just saw that just from regular people, regular fans, just in general. But when I saw on LeBron's page, I saw a whole different circulation of fans. And they were like, free Hong Kong hashtag. Why don't you talk about what's going on in China? And I was shocked to see that on LeBron's page. So I think we are entering a very interesting time in sports where, you know, the election's coming up soon. And sports and politics are colliding in a very, very interesting way. And... I think it's, and we can see with the NFL, right? The NFL, they're potentially, I believe, they're going to play the Black National Anthem, right? Lift every voice and sing. And I believe that was very controversial. So we're entering a space now in sports, sports media, with players, coaches, fans, media members alike, where things are getting very, very controversial for what you're saying. Very controversial. So I think this is going to be very interesting because... The thing is, when you take a political stand, there's always going to be the opposite side. And I think the interesting thing about this and the proof in the pudding and the test tube for this will be how it affects ratings. Will fans actually tune off and cut the cord because they disagree with what athletes are saying? And I think it's interesting. Interesting. going to be an interesting test case and scenario because before athletes had a say, they had a platform, they had a voice, they had avenues like radio, podcasting, uh, even the Players' Tribune that there is now, right? LeBron has uninterrupted where athletes can have their own voice. It was always GMs, coaches, owners that did the talking, right? That had the influence, that got the message across. And it seems like it was a little less controversial when that was going on because there was never another side. Now that we're having so many other sides, it's creating more debate and it's getting a little bit dicey sometimes. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because while the brand of what a player does might work for that individual player, it does not mean it works for the league as a whole. So I think this is going to be very interesting, and that's something that I'm going to monitor. I think everybody else should be monitoring how ratings are affected by what is going on. Now, with that being said, we're going to, right after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Cody Felger on the show, host the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us today, Cody Felger. He's the host of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. How you doing, Cody? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Now, the first thing I have to ask you is, Patrick Mahomes just signed his contract. It kind of captivated the NFL world. I think it's like 
450 million over the course yeah. of like 10 years. It's an insane deal. But my question for you is somebody that, you know, does a podcast about the Colts, has kind of watched a lot of the Colts. Wasn't that kind of always the feeling that kind of Andrew Luck would be that guy that kind of be in the position that Patrick Mahomes is right now? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad, uh, honestly. You know, seeing such a talent like Patrick Mahomes rightfully getting that deal. Uh, but yeah, it is a little sad to see. Uh, Andrew Luck not get something. Obviously, I don't think it'd be a ten-year deal, but getting a bigger contract—it definitely is sad uh, from perspective. Now, about a year out, <laughs> seeing that not be the reality anymore—it's kind of crazy, man. But yeah, good for Patrick Mahomes and good for the Chiefs. I mean, I think very friendly uh, team deal when you look at it. Especially, you got to think uh, you know, the cap will rise and all this stuff. So, overall, I'm thinking, yeah, good for Patrick Mahomes, good for the Chiefs, but. <laughs> Uh, not so good for the AFC West for the other teams. Uh, they're definitely uh, gotta have to see Patrick Mahomes for another decade. So, kind of crazy. Now, my question to you is: Where were you when Andrew Luck announced he was retiring? Like, what were you doing, yeah. and what was your reaction? How much of a shock were you on from one a, t- a scale of one to ten? Oh man, definitely ten. Uh, so I kind of remember. I remember it really vividly. Actually, I was with my roommates, and we. I think we were watching some movie. I don't even remember what movie it was, but it was like late Saturday night, right? The Colts were playing the Bears, that preseason game. Uh, and so, you know, besides podcasting, I also, you know, work uh, at a church. And so I had work the next morning, like early, and I was about to head to bed, and I see that news break, and I'm like, no way. This can't be possible. I just get all of a sudden, just get all these, like, texts from different people and I'm like, oh come on, this is a joke. Like this is this is one of those fake burner accounts that's, uh, you know, making stuff up. Like like you see that all the time. Although this cannot be real. Andrew Luck is not retiring. It's only a couple weeks before the season. There's no way he can retire. And then checking on it and seeing like actually like valid accounts posting this is just crazy. Just like what? No way. And so. Uh, just total shock that that would happen. Like I've never in my life heard of anything like that. You know, obviously seen anything like that. And it's just, you know, kind of the tip of the iceberg, just how crazy Chris Ballard, the GM has all the crazy stuff he's had to deal with. That was just the tip of it. Like, you know, just thinking back to Josh McDaniels, you know, just kind of doing what he did to the Colts a few years back. And, and then obviously, you know, the death of Edwin Jackson, that same off season, uh, it's been kind of crazy. So, you know, I was shocked, obviously, but then, you know, just based off of what Chris Ballard has had to deal with, I was like, of course he has to deal with this now. But yeah, definitely a 10. I was, there was no indication that anything like that was going to happen. Hadn't heard really anything about that. So, so it just came out of the blue. And so I was definitely in shock, as many others were, just a loss for words. And, and there are still times when I think about it, I'm like, I still refuse to believe that Andrew <laughs> retired. Like, it's just that, was that sudden and that crazy? I, it's just wild, a wild, wild story. And it just makes you go back and think all those years that Andrew Luck was healthy and all those years that he single-handedly led his team to the playoffs, what would have happened if he had the proper protection and the proper team being built around him, it's just, it's, it's very sad to think about. Um, and of course, right when the Colts build him a team, you know, he's already mentally fried at that point. So yeah, absolutely devastating for me as a Colts fan to see that happen. Um, and yeah, it's crazy because like you look back at the season prior to that. I mean, that's when I started my podcast because 
Andrew Luck came back that year, right? You know, he had been questions like, is he ever going to play again? And he comes back and has a really good season that could lead the Colts back to the playoffs. Things are trending up. The Colts are Super Bowl favorites even. And then that happens, and it just changes the season. You go from 12 to 13 expected wins to, I, I honestly said, probably seven or eight wins. And I'm actually, it's actually pretty close, honestly. But, yeah, it's just crazy still to talk about it and to think about it just the madness surrounding that situation and every factor that led up to that point um i'm still yeah i'm still in shock that that's happened (laughs) and how do you kind of reflect on it now as a colts fan like you know it's basically now like about happened last so it's about 10 months removed not even a year yet necessarily but we're about 10, 10 months removed how do you kind of look at it now and you're like if you go from jacoby Brissett this year you're gonna have philip rivers and it's like we're not going to have Andrew Luck. Like, like, isn't that still yeah. kind of crazy for you? It is. It really, really is crazy. Because you watch, and you, know, you go from, you know, as a Colts fan, I was spoiled, right? I, I started being a Colts fan when Peyton Manning was their cornerback. You go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. So two generational-type players back-to-back. And we've seen, you know, like, all the different teams that have struggled to find a franchise quarterback for 30, 40, 50 years it's not wanting to go into that quarterback purgatory. Um, the Colts have been so fortunate not to be. Uh, it's just crazy now to think about that. And, of course, now when Andrew Luck's not here, the Colts are building you know, a team that could go around Andrew Luck and really help take the pressure off of him, which is why I'm excited that they brought in Phillip Rivers because I feel like that's what they could do for Phillip Rivers. But, obviously, a 38-year-old Phillip Rivers and a well, whatever he would be, 31, 32-year-old Andrew Luck, are vastly different at this point in their career. But uh, still, you know, excited for the season. You know, hopefully the season does happen. Uh, but excited for Phillip Rivers and what he can bring to this team. Obviously, he's not Andrew Luck, but uh, excited to see kind of the team that's being built around him and what how they can utilize his strengths. Um, even getting closer to 40, I'm, I'm super pumped for that in that way. But to answer your question, it still uh, is sad to see that, especially now. So, 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 Cody, if if I came up to you and I told you in 2010, I and I said in 2020, no, if I told you after they draft Andrew Luck number one overall, and I I tell you, Cody, Tom Brady's still going to be playing in 2020, and Andrew Luck is going to be retired. What would you say to me? (laughs) I would say, oh yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Like that, that nobody would expect that, right? Andrew Luck's a generational player. He's he's ginormous, like six five. 240 pounds, uh, and I would have said the Colts failed Andrew Luck, honestly. If that's the case, I wouldn't have believed you first off, but I would say if that is the case, the Colts would have massively failed Andrew Luck, and they did, unfortunately. Um, It's harsh for me to say that my team failed a player, but it it really unfortunately happened. Um, Nobody currently, you know, obviously had anything to do with it, but just, just so sad now to think about it. But yeah, if you'd have told me that, I would have probably been like, eh, okay, yeah, there's no way. Especially with Peyton Manning being retired for years now. I would have said, there's no way Tom Brady's still playing and Andrew Luck's not. <laughs> now, when you go back at that 2012 draft class, you you have Luck, you have mm-hmm. Robert Griffin III, you have Russell Wilson, and you have Ryan Tannehill, too, is in that draft, I believe, too. And I think yeah. Kirk, Kirk Cousins was. So you're... you're a lot of quarterbacks ended up having their own success. And if it's really crazy when you look at it's like it's not how you start the old saying, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. If you look at even their drafted, their pedigree all in college to their rookie year, right, most people would think, okay, this is either Robert Griffin III or Andrew Luck. 
you see kind of how Robert Griffin III's career kind of ends up going in Washington. Then you have Andrew Luck. And then it's Russell Wilson who ends up being this, arguably, besides Patrick Mahomes, maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't know how you feel about that. But Pat, Pat, I mean, Russell Wilson having this extraordinary career. Just kind of how unexpected is that? Yeah. Definitely uh, unexpected, especially out of, I think, believe he was taking that third round, so not a ton of expectations placed on him, but uh, Russell Wilson's a great player. Like, I, I'm glad that Russell Wilson has had the success that he has. Um, the thing I, I just, you know, as good of a player as he is, I wish the Seahawks um, would build around him a little bit more. Um, it kind of doesn't give me the same vibes as Andrew Luck, but I just hate it when the quarterback has, like, it all falls on his shoulders. And, you know, the team lives and dies by the quarterback. And I, I know, like, obviously they're paying him a bunch. But I, I really personally like Russell Wilson a lot. Um, as a player, I think he's fantastic. And I just think people don't give him enough credit for what he's done with the Seahawks, the Super Bowl champ. Now, what I also do want to ask you this is uh, this, too. When you look back, because I remember when I was watching, like, the Michael Jordan documentary, right? And they talk about how Michael, he had to... Uh, Take, you know, after those first three championships, you need to take a break from everything. Do you think there's any possibility that possibly Andrew Luck could return after taking a couple years, you know, getting his body right and being like, you know what, I still love football? Yeah, and this is hard for me to say, but honestly, I don't think so, think so at this point. Because Andrew Luck's not the typical quarterback that you think of. You know, he's he's got other interests outside of football. Um, it's similar to actually the Colts' left tackle, Anthony Costanzo. Uh, I always felt like if there was two guys who would probably, you know, obviously I didn't think it would happen, but if you were going to make me pick some guys that I thought would potentially ha- you know, retire early or whatever for other interest, it probably would have been Andrew Luck. You know, we'll know his love for books and we know his love for, you know, soccer and all this different stuff. Um, and then Anthony Costanzo as well. They're both guys that, um, you know, they love football, but they also have other loves. And I think right now Andrew Luck has other loves, and that involves his now wife and his, his daughter Lucy. Um, and so I think he's just focusing now on being a dad. I mean, I, I've sensed nothing that would suggest that Andrew Luck would think about coming back. And honestly, I think the Colts have kind of you, – you can never really move on from a player – as good as Andrew Luck, but I think the Colts are now in not even thinking about that. You know, they're in the they're in the we want to win now mindset. Um, not in the, you know, I've seen crazier things happen, so I don't want to rule it out completely. But I think just based off of Andrew Luck and what I know of his personality, I I honestly can't see it. But maybe he has a change of heart. Maybe he decides I missed the game. And he decides to come back in a few years. But yeah, as it stands right now, I can't see it personally. But uh, never know. You never know with these kind of things. Now, you kind of mentioned earlier about, you know, how the Colts got have kind of been spurned a little bit and now how uh, Grissom's had to deal with certain things. Now, I do want to ask you this. So, Josh McDaniels, right? So, <laughs> apparently he's going to be that coach. Then he's not that coach. Then Frank Wright comes in. Who, and Frank Wright does a beautiful job. Anyway, you can make an argument. He's doing better than if Josh McDaniels was ever there. Maybe it was a blessing in disguise, right? Everything happens for a reason. But just talk about... Josh McDaniels, the head coach, and then he's going back to New England, and then just talk we'll talk about that. Yeah, and honestly, like I think I kind of think about that sometimes, especially into that 2018 season when the Colts were one and five, right? If you remember, they when they started off one and five, then they made that run and ended up going ten and six. I don't know if Josh McDaniels would have <laughs> how he would have handled that. I honestly don't think that he would have and the. You know, the whole coaching staff would have handled it the same way 
that Frank Reich and company handled it. You know, Frank Reich is a leader. He's a guy that leads by example. He's a guy that has faith in his players. And, you know, we kind of saw Josh McDaniels in Denver kind of burn out in Denver and, and kind of ruin a lot of relationships. Um, it certainly has with Chris Ballard now after that whole situation. Uh, so I'm guessing he might be next in line in New England, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens for Josh McDaniels. You know, he's burned a few bridges now. Uh, what happens if things don't work out in New England? Where's he going to go? You know, what's what's going to be kind of the future for Josh McDaniels? But as far as a head coach, I'm so glad now that that did not work out. I mean, I was ex- I was pretty happy at first just because we know the success. Uh, you know, Josh McDaniels. Let's be real; he's one of the best play callers in the league. But there's more than play calling to be a head coach, and so Frank Reich. He's a good play caller as well, but he's also got other things that I think Josh McDaniels doesn't. Then um, I think just make him a better candidate. He honestly kind of gives me a little bit of the Tony Dungy vibes in terms in terms of the culture that he's building um, and just the, the confidence that he's instilling in his players. I, I think I would take that over a guy who is a you know mastermind in terms of play calling. I would take a guy who's still really good at that, but also knows that it's more than just about calling plays it's about the locker room right it's about it's about building those relationships with the guys it's about having guys who when it's on the line they're going to play their butts off for you and i think frank reich kind of has that allure to his locker room right i honestly think uh josh between josh McDaniels and frank reich uh josh mcdaniels lose his locker room a lot quicker frank reich would because josh mcdaniels is kind of a hothead i mean i don't know if you've seen sometimes on the Patriots' sideline, but Josh McDaniels can be a little bit of a hothead sometimes and probably can tick off some people. Uh, Frank Reich's more level-headed, which I think serves teams better, honestly. So overall, yeah, I'm very, very happy that you know, looking at now a couple of years out, because I think Frank Reich was the right man for the job in the, in the first place. And as the, as the old goes, right, just because it's the first choice doesn't mean it's the best choice. So Frank Reich was clearly the best choice for the Colts and what they want to do, and certainly was refreshing for me, especially after the Colts, you know, with the last regime, really had two guys that weren't qualified for their jobs, being the head coach and GM. So finding two guys that now we feel like are some of the best in the league, uh, it's certainly refreshing from a Colts perspective to have both of those guys in the leadership positions they're in. So what made the last regime in Indianapolis not, not as good as the one now with, I believe, Gr- was Grixon there at the time? And then Grixon. you have, and yep. then you also have uh, Chuck Pagano. What yeah. made that, what was the difference between that regime? Because that's also when you talk about failing Andrew Luck, that was the regime that was there for Andrew Luck. Right. Yeah. I think first off, you just look at the relationship. I mean, they had to get like counselors in there because Grixon and Pagano's relationship was so frayed. Uh, they just didn't see eye to eye on things. I know Ryan Grixon, as opposed to Chris Ballard, the current GM, Ryan Grixon would never admit his mistakes, right? And I think that comes with Chris Ballard is such a humble guy. And it's hard to admit your mistakes sometimes because everybody sees them. They're out there in the open. But Chris Ballard has said from day one, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to own them. And Ryan Grixon never did. And he kind of, honestly, from what I've read and what I've seen, you know, he kind of, some of those guys that he drafted earlier, whatever, he would force his coach, he'd force Pagano to play some of these guys, even if they weren't good. He'd never really admit his mistakes. And so I think just the humbleness, the relationship, and then purely Ryan Grixon could not draft to save his life. I mean, you go back to that 2013 draft, 
a couple years after that, literally every single player in that draft was out of the league. I mean, that just tells you how god-awful that was. Just a terrible, terrible draft. I mean, you look at from 2012 to 2016, those are all of Ryan Grigson's drafts. I mean, you look at it now, the Colts don't really have, outside of T.Y. Hilton, I'm trying to think, you know, Anthony Costanza wasn't even a Ryan Grigson pick. Ryan Kelly, but he basically was forced by Jim Mercer to make that pick of the center out of Alabama. He just, he didn't know how to build a team, and it's kind of crazy being a former offensive lineman, Ryan Grigson. Didn't know how to build an offensive line. Didn't know how to protect a guy. Uh, besides T.Y. Hilton, didn't know to ha- didn't know how to draft receivers. <laughs> he drafted two tight ends uh, in that 2012 draft. Both guys were off the. What roster. about Kobe Fleener? Didn't they draft Kobe Fleener? They drafted Kobe Fleener. He didn't get a second contract. Dwayne Allen got a second contract, but got way overpaid, and the Colts kind of had to figure out how to get rid of him after after he was gone, um, after Grixon was gone, and. Honestly, it's kind of crazy because the best tight end that they got was undrafted free agent. So if that tells you anything right there on how bad Ryan Grigson was at drafting, I mean, Trey Richardson trade, just terrible, completely awful. Every single, it seems like every single early round pick he had was just awful, just completely did not contribute at all. And, you know, when you don't build a, any form of a team around Andrew Luck, I mean, no wonder Andrew Luck. It's amazing that the Colts made kind of the, the waves that they did early on in Andrew Luck's career. Because I don't know how Andrew Luck did it. Honestly, it's it's incredible looking back at it. Because he literally had no team around him, and uh, you know he had a few guys early on. Um, you think Reggie Wayne, you think Robert Mathis, Dwight Franey for a year. But I just think there was also kind of a I don't know if you saw the thing. Uh, it was Pat Pat McAfee, the former Colts owner. He has a show and. He had Robert Mathis, who is the Colts' current you know, all-time sack leader. Um, but for a guy who is a quote-unquote defensive genius, uh, the Colts had a pretty god-awful defense about every single year. So it's like it, it, they just not, nothing that they promised that they would do worked. The Colts, I don't even know. They might have had like I could probably count on my hand the amount of hundred-yard rushes they had in the Ryan Grigson Chuck Pagano era. It was that awful. And so when you don't build a team around your quarterback, that that's bound to happen, right? And it's hard for me to say that. Hard for me to look back. But even if I look back on some of those games and I watch some of those games from Andrew Luck's career early on, it's hard for me to watch those games. You just see the terrible roster that's built around Andrew Luck, and it's really obvious. And honestly, a big reason why the Colts really didn't compete for a Super Bowl is they just didn't have – the good players to, to you know, take them to that next level. As good as Andrew Luck was, he couldn't do it by himself. And so I think for those reasons, amongst probably others, that I could keep going on about them. But I'll stop right there and say those are all the big reasons why it just didn't work out as opposed to you know the guys that they have in now. Now, you mentioned you became a fan of the Colts because of Peyton Manning. Just describe the first mm-hmm. time you ever saw Peyton Manning play. And what made Peyton Manning so spectacular to you? Yeah, I remember the first game so – I, I think my first game I remember watching was that AFC Championship game, actually, against the Patriots in 2006. Uh, you know, the Colts obviously had the comeback, been yeah. in the Super Bowl in Indianapolis at that point. And so I remember vaguely kind of what happened. Uh, that game was really tight, and then the Colts ultimately won. Marlon Jackson intercepted it, and the Colts went to the Super Bowl. And then just kind of from there, I uh, started to fall in love with the team, and I think my first full season that I really started paying attention was that 2009 season um, when Peyton Manning had an MVP year. The Colts went back to the Super Bowl, 
that was the first time where I followed them like very, very every single game, right? Where I really was passionately following them. And I think just seeing the way that Peyton Manning just shredded defenses. Um, and then I also had a friend who was a Patriots fan, a big Tom Brady fan. So we went back and forth all the time about it. I mean, we still do. But Peyton Manning just made me fall in love with the game because he's, I would argue, the best Colts quarterback of all time. He kept setting records and kept – there was nothing I felt like Peyton Manning couldn't do. Uh, and so it was just incredible to watch him just lead his offense with authority and just really keep the Colts in contention every single game and every single season. And it was sad for me when I when he went to Denver because I loved Peyton Manning so much. And uh, it was just hard for me to see that. But, yeah, Peyton Manning really got me to love the Colts, and then I've been a fan ever since. And, unfortunately, they haven't been as successful as seasons as early on, but uh, hoping to get back to that very soon. Now, what was your reaction when you found out Peyton was leaving the Colts? Because, you know, there's the neck injury, yeah. and I think him and Ursay had a little bit of a falling out. How, how are you feeling at that point? Yeah, I mean, I was sad. I, I was, I think at that point I was sad, but I understood it because I knew the Colts were probably going to draft Andrew Luck, and I knew how good of a player he was. It still didn't make it any easier, uh, but I was, I think I was sad, but I was understanding of kind of the place that the Colts were in. Um, honestly, if I think back on it, I think I would have handled it a lot, probably a little bit differently than the Colts did. I'm amazed. I don't know. It, it made sense at the time for me, but now looking back at it, I'm like. Oh, what, you know, looking at what happened to Andrew Luck and, you know, just Peyton Manning's refusal to be mediocre, yeah. I don't think he would have stood for what Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano were doing. I think he would have uh, made his voice a little bit more known. And it might have been good, as good of a player as Andrew Luck was, it might have been good for him to sit behind Peyton Manning and kind of see how to be a leader. Uh, honestly, I do wonder if that would have changed kind of his career a little bit. But, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I think, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was at the time uh, when that did happen and all went down. And every single player that I grew up loving was getting cut, too. So like, <laughs> let's just cut it all off, I guess, right now and well, well, start over. And the crazy thing about it is, too, Cody, they were saying because the next they were talking about how Peyton might never play again. Peyton was really right. good for the next couple of years in Denver. He was really good. Right, except the touchdown record. <laughs> Pretty good. Were, were you surprised that he, he was that good in Denver? Or, or do you thinking we were going to see more of the Super Bowl Peyton Manning in Denver that was a little washed up at the end? But were you surprised he was going to come out like that? Uh, at first, yeah, because they were talking about career ending, right? They, they were like, he may never play another snap of football. And then to see Peyton Manning only a few years later breaking Tom Brady's record, right? Peyton Manning broke the record once, goes and breaks it again. Uh, I was... Very happy for Peyton Manning. I was kind of a partial Broncos fan at that point. Like, if the Colts were not doing well or whatever, I'd root for the Broncos. Uh, but, I, yeah, all love for Peyton Manning. I, I'm so glad that he did that. And I'm also glad, even though he had a rough end of his career that last season, I'm glad he got another Super Bowl ring because he honestly led his team to the Super Bowl when, when they probably shouldn't have been or, or to the AFC Championship game. They might not have, you know, supported him. And so it was good to kind of see him get that support a little bit. So, uh, very, very happy for Peyton Manning, but it was sad as a Colts fan to not see him do that in, in a horseshoe. Now, one of the greatest parts about Peyton Manning, and really the 2000s in football was, you have Manning and you have Brady, and you kind of touched on that a little bit. Just talk about the hoopla and the aura, because this is kind of like how people used to talk about Kobe and LeBron back in the day. Like, we were talking about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Like, these are two of the GOATs going at it, like, in the same conference. Just talk about that. Yeah. Well, it was definitely incredible, and unfortunately, I didn't watch a ton of those games, 
with the early 2000s when they were really at their height. But um, I got to watch that, obviously, the AFC Championship game and kind of watch Manning get more of an advantage over Brady in the you know latter years. I think he actually had ended up with a winning record against Brady in the playoffs. But as I knew kind of their careers were winding down, at least Peyton Manning's was winding down, I, I really wanted to make a point to not – take those for advantage, like take advantage of those and take those lightly. Cause I knew they were coming to a close and there wasn't going to be many more of those games. And they were always super good games. Um, and it's just, yeah, you, you, you may not see ever see that kind of rivalry again. I mean, I would argue that's probably the best rivalry in football, uh, Manning versus Brady. I mean, cause both guys, you know, arguably top three quarterbacks, both of them. And just to see them go head to head, every single time was just incredible to watch and you just never knew who was going to win i think that was the most exciting thing you know as a colts fan you're like this could go either way literally the colts could win or they could lose i don't know what's going to happen and i think that just that just shows the greatness of both of these guys um, that they were both and one of them and i mentioned my friend who's a patriots fan he said the one player i was always scared of was peyton manning because i knew that he could literally beat us anywhere and so I think Bill Belichick felt the same way, right? You think back to that 2009 game, that fourth two play. Bill Belichick did not trust his defense to stop Peyton Manning, and they ended up not stopping Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning went and led them to that victory. So just incredible to see both these guys at the height of their game. Uh, just, yeah, just really feeling it, man. And and uh, I'm just, yeah, I was very blessed to watch a lot of those games growing up. And, you know, it's something I'll definitely – one day tell my kids about that uh, I was able to see some of those games. Truly incredible. Um, just both of these guys, the, the athletes and the competitors that they are. I, I think it's very, it's going to be very hard to find a rivalry quite like those two. Now you got to tell me, who's better, Peyton or Brady? <laughs> Man, you know I got to always go Peyton. <laughs> I got to always go Peyton. Um, I know it's probably, people are like, well, Brady's got a ton of Super Bowl rings. I I know that, I understand that, but just what Peyton Manning did to the NFL and how he completely, you know, just flipped it on its head in terms of, you know, passing the football. I mean, he really changed the games in in a lot of ways. And I felt like, yeah, Peyton Manning had, you know, probably better offensive weapons throughout his career. I don't think that's really a debate, but I felt like overall, and this is kind of what I've talked about like now with the Colts. Uh, the Colts have a better overall team. They can run the football. They can play good defense. And I kind of felt like one of those two was always missing with the Colts. Um, and I know they had Edron James for a while, but you know, that defense would always kind of be the Achilles heel. Or when they needed to run the football, they couldn't run the football. Uh, but Brady always could. And, and I'm going to credit Bill Belichick. He's the best coach of all time, in my opinion. And so uh, Brady was in that system for so, so long. And Peyton Manning had to go to two different systems. And he still thrived. He broke the touchdown record twice. And so I think, yeah, you can – I hate the whole – he has more rings than him, so he's better than him. I personally am like, well, let's look at the stats and let's look at, you know, the efficiency. Peyton Manning was, I think, the best quarterback in terms of that, you know, best regular season quarterback by far. And this add the fact that, you know, he had a winning record against Brady in the playoffs. Uh, that's for me. That's my argument. A lot of people might disagree. But that's okay. I'm kind of being a little bit of a homer here because I grew up watching Peyton well, Manning. And I love Peyton Manning so right. much. Right, and I have no love loss for Brady either. As a Bills fan, I have no loss, love, love loss for Brady. <laughs> but but what here's my my one argument I would say for Brady over Manning. Can I not say this? What he has done in the later part of his career has been extraordinary. You you yeah. see how because him and Peyton are basically contemporary, they're the same age, and Peyton is you know for lack of a better term, Peyton's been out the league for the last 
half a decade. And Tom is still playing, and we'll see how good he actually still is in Tampa, and the rubber will meet the road there with all the weapons they have there. But the fact that how how well Brady has played into his late 30s, early 40s, uh, to me, does that not uh, give you a cause to pause and be like, okay, can we not give him credit for that? Yeah, I mean, we definitely can. He for sure is, uh, deserves that. I, I don't know. I just I just know how good the Patriots system is. And an argument that I'll make is going back to when Peyton Manning went down for a year, the Colts were the worst team in the league. And when Tom Brady went down, the Patriots were 11-5. and five. So I, Bill Belichick, to me, is the best coach of all time. His system is just incredible. I don't want to take anything away from Tom Brady, though, because obviously you know, the numbers speak for themselves. The Super Bowl rings speak for themselves. Uh but yeah, I just think there's other factors that I factor in, and maybe not everybody does, and that's okay. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I see people's point, and I'm just being a little bit of homer here, but I just think from seeing what Peyton Manning did every single week, um, and a lot of times not having that support on the other side of the ball or in the running game or whatever, this is kind of my argument, but I can definitely see. And you're a Bills fan. You've seen it for so long. Oh, I know what Tom Brady's case <laughs> I'm happy he's out the division, actually. Now, I do yeah, ask you, do you think, how do you think Brady, do you think Brady still has it? Because there's a lot of argument kind of this year, kind of, you could see a little bit of deterioration with him yeah. in New England, him and Belichick kind of had a little falling out, right? How good do you think Brady actually is now? Yeah, that is a great question. That's honestly something I've thought about, and I have no idea at this point. Um, I just don't know how it's going to mess with that Bruce Arians system, right? I mean, we saw James Winston, you know, he's James Winston, obviously, but he threw a ton of interceptions last year, and we've heard, you know, Carson Palmer talk about him when he was with the Cardinals. Uh, Bruce Arians' system is, is kind of complex and hard to grasp there in year one. Um, so I honestly don't know. I, I, I honestly feel like the Bucks are a little bit overhyped. Now, what I also do want to ask you is this. So, right, so you have Phillip Rivers now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be the starter. He's not going to be Jacoby Brissett. Are they going to have a quarterback competition? Is that a... <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I honestly don't. I feel like you don't sign a quarterback for $25 million to have <laughs> him ride the bench. And so, Phillip Rivers, you know, you can say what you want what you want about him last year. Not a good season for Phillip Rivers. But I look at it how compared to, you know, the Colts were 30th in the league in terms of passing yards per game last year. Top, you know, the one of the worst in the league in terms of passing the football. Now, you can say what you want about Jacoby Brissett. He had some decent games early on. But, uh, yeah, Phillip Rivers was still uh, – his offense was still top six in terms of passing the football. So um, you throw in the fact that Phillip Rivers had no offensive line. You throw in the fact he had really no running game compared to the season prior – I think they went down about ten spots uh, last year from when they were in 2018. He, uh, you know, he may he maybe had a little bit more established wide receivers and tight end, which you, know, you can argue that. And I think he honestly will have a better defense as well. You throw in their familiarity with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. I just think it, it makes a lot of sense for Philip Rivers to uh, to have a bounce back year in a way uh, where he's not having to throw the football a ton because you look at a lot of those interceptions. It's when the Chargers were down in the fourth quarter and Philip Rivers had to go and make a play. And uh, I don't feel like that's going to be the case this year with the Colts. They have a lot more balanced team than the Chargers did. One of the best offensive lines. Uh, they drafted Jonathan Taylor, who you know we think is going to maybe put them in the category for the top five rushing attack. They were seventh last year, so I think that's very achievable. 
they, you know, T.Y. Hilton's coming back. Hopefully he can stay healthy. He had kind of a weird year with injuries last year. Same with Paris Campbell. You draft Michael Pittman, who I think will be a good vertical threat. And they were comparing him to Vincent Jackson, who if you remember back in uh, the San Diego days was one of Philip Rivers' favorite targets. So I think there's a, certainly a lot of optimism for Philip Rivers um, and getting the ball out of his hand, letting his playmakers go and do things like that. And uh, and then just some of the, you know, Nike Hines also, uh, he's a, more of a receiving back. And we saw how much Rivers relied on Austin Eckler last year. So I feel like the Colts have a lot of good weapons that, that Philip Rivers can utilize. And uh, I honestly, yeah, I think the Colts are in a lot better spot. You know, you look at last year um, with Jacoby Brissett, you know, he had a good running game. He had a decent defense, right? He had a good offensive line, and he just – you can throw the injuries. That was a factor. But he just would not take a risk and throw the ball down the field. And Phillip Rivers, you know, maybe it will be more interceptions. It probably will be. But uh, he'll keep the Colts in more games, I feel like. He won't just be a game manager. He, he'll – if he needs to, he can sling it, and he's not afraid to take risks. And I think that's kind of what the Colts' offense needed last year. Uh, guys sometimes who will take some risks and, and put them back in games and give their offense – Know, kind of a shot in the arm, if you will, because their defense kept them in some games last year that they, uh, you know, they maybe shouldn't have been in. Honestly, you look at that Kansas City game. Now, I know they came out victorious, but Jacoby Brissett was not good in that game at all. All the Colts did, their formula to beating the Chiefs was just running the football and playing good defense, and that's what they did. And uh, now that you add the fact that you have a guy that you think will help your vertical passing attack, uh, I think it's going to just be good for both sides. It's mutually going to be good. So I don't think there's a quarterback competition at all, honestly. I think Jacoby Brissett's just an insurance plan in case Philip Rivers goes down. Now, he's been an Iron Man, but you never know in this league. So uh, I don't yeah, I don't think it's a quarterback competition at all. Um, I think, honestly, it's going to be Rivers, Brissett, and then probably Jacob Eason, uh, the fourth-round pick they take, took this year. So that's kind of my take on the quarterback room. Do you think Jacoby Brissett has gotten a fair shot? Because he comes to Indy a couple years ago, gets traded, like, kind of when the season's kind of in the midway part of the season, you know, the Colts aren't very yeah. good. Like, like, do you think he's gotten a fair, sh- a fair shake at it? I, I do think he has. Um, you know, I think that he had an opportunity last year to kind of prove his worth. And even when some of those receivers were healthy, it wasn't like he was lighting the world on fire. I don't think he's a bad player. Like, I don't want people to think that that's what I'm saying. I just think he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and I think the Colts will lose. He's a good backup quarterback. He's one of the better backup quarterbacks. But when you get the chance to upgrade to a quarterback like Phillip Rivers, who's you know arguably a future Hall of Famer one day, uh, I just think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see because what if there is a quarterback competition uh, this year between those two? I said there won't be, but what if there is? If Jacoby Brissett comes on and lights the world on fire, like, I'm good with that. Like, I would love to do that. But I definitely think that that uh, 2017 season was not a fair shake for Jacoby Brissett. I, I really didn't want to grade him off of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think he's gotten a fair – he got a fair shot last year in terms of kind of seeing what he could do. And, obviously, the Colts felt like, you know, he was – he did some good things, but we could probably upgrade from him. And it's not like he's still – super young I believe he's like 28 now so he's getting up there in age as well Um, and I think the Colts just haven't seen as much progress from him as you'd like to see especially if your guy's going to be he's going to be your franchise quarterback so I do think he's gotten a fair shot and if he does win it then maybe I'll eat my words a little bit but I I do feel like yeah he has gotten a fair shot and Jacoby Percet must be he's 28 years old that's crazy I feel like he's like 25 (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I feel like he's as old as like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz and all these guys. But right. my God, he's twenty eight. He's Ooh. somewhere up there. I think he's getting closer. Yeah, twenty seven, twenty eight, somewhere right there. That's kind of old. Okay. Yeah. Now, AFC South last year, you have the Texans who win the division. Uh, you also have the Titans who make the AFC champion, uh, the AFC championship game. How shocked were you that the Titans ended up making the AFC championship game? Yeah, I mean, after seeing how and they beat New England and New England, England. England right? <laughs> uh, it was a little bit surprising, but I think the Titans and the Colts are built in similar ways. Where I wasn't super shocked, honestly, because the Titans now had a quarterback that could help them and make plays when they needed to. Ryan Tannehill was pretty good for the Titans last year down the stretch, and so uh, with Derrick Henry kind of emerging, they're using Derrick Henry, they have a good defense. I wasn't too shocked. I felt like Marcus Mariota was really the reason why the Titans weren't, you know, competing in the playoffs because he just was injured all the time and very inconsistent. As a Colts fan, I loved it because I was like, just keep playing Marcus Mariota. He's going to hold this team back. When they got Ryan Tannehill, who, you know, I don't think he's a great quarterback, but he's serviceable and he can get the job done. And uh, he's had some decent seasons in Miami. Like, he's not been terrible in Miami. He just didn't really have a ton of pieces around him. So, uh, yeah, the Titans are certainly the team I'm looking for. You know, if the, if there was any team that I'm kind of worried about, it's the Titans because they can beat you in all different ways. Uh, they, like I mentioned, they have good defense. They they have a good running attack. They have now a competent quarterback. Uh, the Titans are certainly a team that uh, I think are a potential wild card and could potentially be a, a, a win for this division. I mean, it's going to be the biggest competition for the Colts. I think. Um, obviously, the Texans have Deshaun Watson, the best quarterback in the division, but. It's sad for me to see that that Bill O'Brien just apparently does not value his quarterback because he's <laughs> trained away their best player for absolutely nothing. So, do you just laugh as a Colts fan? You're like, oh, okay, the Texans trade away DeAndre Hopkins, keep doing a bunch yeah. of stupid stuff. Do you just laugh at him? <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny because uh, we had on our podcast we had some Titan guns on like a couple weeks ago, and we talked about that. We're just like, okay, whatever. Like, I can't believe he just did that, but we're, we'll take that, Bill O'Brien. Patrick Mahomes got that 10-year deal. Sign Bill O'Brien to that 10-year deal. Please keep him in for as long as possible because that's just amazing. I'm very thankful DeAndre Hopkins is out of the division. He was one of the key reasons why the Texans beat the Colts last year uh, later down the stretch. He's just fantastic. He's one of the best receivers in the league. And the fact that, the te- you know, if the Texans would have got some decent you know return from him, I'd probably have been like, yeah, it might have been a decent – trade but they got like literally nothing for him and so as a Colts fan I'm like okay Houston already has is you know grasping for draft capital they're trading with all their draft capital and now they don't even get a first round pick for DeAndre Hopkins I love it I love it let's keep doing that uh, trade Deshaun Watson for a fourth round pick and I'll be a very happy Colts fan so <laughs> yeah I was very ecstatic to say the least <laughs> Who, who, who knows, maybe one of these days Deshaun Watson will say something or do something to piss Bill O'Brien off and he'll offer the Colts Deshaun Watson for a second round pick. <laughs> hey, I would, I would take that in a heartbeat, man. <laughs> it sucks, though, that Deshaun Watson's in a different division. I kind of wish he was in a different division, so that actually could be a possibility that he would trade for the Colts, but I don't think it's probably going to happen. <laughs> um, unless Deshaun Watson becomes a free agent, which I would love that, <laughs> then I think that would make sense for the Colts, but... I don't know. I, with all the players the Colts are going to have to pay, though, I don't know if, if they would be able to afford Deshaun Watson, honestly. I feel like their best route is going to be drafting a quarterback and letting him play on his rookie deal 
for the first four years, or maybe if it's Jacob Eason, the first three years or something like that. I think that's going to be their best shot at, at really competing and having a good, well-rounded roster. You're going to have to pay Darius Leonard. You're going to have to pay Quentin Nelson. They're going to be probably two of the highest paid players in the NFL. And, yeah, you got you know, Ryan Kelly's coming up. He's one of the better centers in the league. Uh, just paid the force Buckner a huge extension. So there's some guys that are going to get paid for the Colts and uh, certainly think that the Colts are going to kind of be a little bit more cap-strapped than they have been last few years and people have been saying why haven't the Colts been really doing anything in free agency well there's a reason they've drafted some pretty good players and they, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at there in terms of Deshaun Watson I would love him he's a fantastic player but I just don't know if he's honestly a reality for the Colts if somehow he was able to hit free agency or whatever it is I also have to ask you this how interesting has it been to watch from afar with the Jacksonville Jaguars how they've kind of imploded because yeah. and, pe- and people forget about this there was once a time, not too long ago, where the Jacksonville Jaguars were in Foxborough, Massachusetts. They were up by 10 points, double digits, in the fourth quarter against Brady and Belichick, and then they lose it. Then it all goes to hell after that. Right. <laughs> How has it been just watching, like, just the, the destruction of Jacksonville just in ways? Like, I, I can't really imagine a team being that good, that young, that promising, and then it's just like, they suck. <laughs> God bless the AFC South, man. They, <laughs> they do it themselves. They implode, and... and uh... Yeah, it was crazy. Like, Jacksonville was, had one of the best defenses. Blake Bortles wasn't looking awful. And then all of a sudden, like, all this stuff happens, right? And I think that's why I'm so thankful as a Colts fan to have a team that values the locker room and the culture. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, that, there was another nothing in Jacksonville. As talented as they were, they just kind of ran wild. And, and there was no discipline. They didn't really have any leadership. And, as a Colts fan, I loved it, but it also made me you know, really thankful that the Colts are, are one of those franchises that values that. Because I think that can't be understated. No matter how talented you are, it can all go up in smoke if you don't have accountability and if you don't have leadership in there that can help you weather those storms and help you come back from a loss like that. It's kind of crazy because after that, Jacksonville just just nothing. You know, They started off 3-0. I think they beat the Patriots again. That next year, or yeah, I think they did beat the Patriots that next year. Then they went three and zero, and then all of a sudden they just just got destroyed. Like it was weird how that just all went downhill from there. Um, and now you know they've gotten rid of that pretty much that entire defense at this point. Um, you know they their quarterback's a seventh round pick, so it's just been wild, man. To see now, that. How do you feel about Minshew mania? <laughs> yeah, I never, I never was like on board with Minshew Mania. I mean, he never, like, wowed me. But, you know, for a seventh-round pick, I think, you know, fantastic for him. Good for Gardner Minshew. But as a fan, like, of an opposing team, I'm not really scared of Gardner Minshew, honestly. Um, I don't really think that he's fantastic. You know, I think Deshaun Watson, I'm kind of a little bit more scared of because he's kind of that <laughs> in that mold of, like, guys that you're, you're always wary of. Like, they can bring you back from anywhere. So... Gardner Minshew, yeah, I think he's he's limited, but and I'm not super scared of him, especially because Jacksonville feel I feel like they really don't have a whole lot of talent. Uh, but no, I mean, good for him. But honestly, he's probably the quarterback that scares me the least in the AFC South. If I'm being completely honest, do you miss Jalen Ramsey's trash talk? <laughs> it certainly was entertaining. Uh, I know that he kind of him and Ty Hilton kind of got into a little bit, and Andrew Luck and all those guys. 
Uh, I don't really miss Jalen Ramsey. He was, he, I miss him from the appearance entertainment that he provided, but uh, I don't miss him in terms of him being on Jacksonville because he was he's a very good player, and I'm glad that Jacksonville got rid of him. <laughs> uh, but no, he was very entertaining. That definitely uh, was interesting to kind of watch that whole thing go down. And Jalen Ramsey, there were a lot of Jacksonville players who really uh, wanted out of Jacksonville. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe, the most recent one, with the team currently, but there's a lot of guys that wanted out of Jacksonville, and uh, it's been interesting to see the super talented team really get picked to the bone and not a whole lot of talent left over. Um, but yeah, Jalen Ramsey, you know, entertaining this crap. So you told me that he had Peyton Manning ahead of Brady, so that obviously means Peyton Manning's your goat. So before I let you go, give me your top five quarterbacks of all time. Top five, okay. Man, I wasn't expecting this. All right. Well, obviously, you got Manny. Uh, probably Brady. Uh, then Montana. He's a Notre Dame guy. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so it works out. Um, goodness gracious. Number four. This is where it gets a little bit tough for me. So I got to think of guy. You got Elway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Uh Elway will probably be there. Yeah, I'd probably put Elway in there. Um, goodness gracious. I don't know why I'm blinking right now. but Bradshaw. What's that? Bradshaw, Favre, Rogers. Um, Breeze. Yeah, my number five is tough. Um, I'll probably go Favre. I'll go Favre. I just love the gunslinger mentality. I love everything that Brett Favre brought. I mean... Uh, just love that whole mentality that Brett Favre brought to the Packers. Uh, I know that might be a little controversial because there, there may be quarterbacks who accomplish more in terms of championships and stuff like that, but I just got to love these of Brett Favre. I love Brett Favre too. But doesn't compare to the Sheriff. That's the guy. <laughs> Cody, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun to- just reminisce and uh, bring up some old wounds and talk <laughs> everything in between. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And once again, I want to thank Cody Felker, host of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode, the 178th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.